Women Aloud and I podcasts. Women writers talking to women writers. This is Tia Nayan with Vicky McFarland. So I am here today with Gaina Kane, Belfast poet. And Gaina has poems in various lots and lots of different anthologies. Her micro collection is called Circling the Sun and that came out in 2018. Then she had the chapbook Memory Forest, which was 2019. And Venus in Pink Marble came out in 2020, and that was a full collection published by Hedgehog Press. So, Gaina, did I leave anything out? Is that right? Um, there is a co-authored fourth pamphlet, Vicky, um, which is Pandemic Poetry, written by myself and Karen Mooney, who's also a member of Women Loud NI. That was released in November last year. Brilliant. So that was written in the pandemic? It was. Oh, Okay. I'll have to have a look for that one. I haven't got to that one, but you can tell us all about it. So, Gaina, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with your journey. You've said that you um you came to writing quite late. So just tell us a bit about, about that. Firstly, thanks for having me to chat on the podcast, Vicky. It's a great opportunity. Um, yes, I came to writing really late. Um, I suppose up until recently, I've been telling people that it really started with a degree, which I began when I hit 40. Um, but actually, it, the catapult came even earlier than that after... I had my daughter in 2000, I had postnatal depression and was sent to a community psychiatric nurse for some uh, therapy. Um, and he started, it was really him that started me on the journey of fighting things for myself so that I just wasn't a mum. I, I think I probably felt like I'd lost a bit of my own identity. And so, I mean, the, the journey to recovery began really simply at first with objectives to get washed every day, dressed every day. And then a few years after that, I had some empowerment training and work. And um, it was a lady called Mary Keatley took me on that journey. And um, I found myself wanting to, to learn a bit about psychology and enrolled at Bangor Tech to do a GCSE in psychology. And I really enjoyed being back in the classroom again and learning. Um, And it was really interesting to find out about psychology and, um, you know, experiments that, that had been done. But whilst it was interesting, I didn't want to take it any further down that road. So when the rest of my um class were enrolling in a level psychology it was then that I thought I'll just skip a levels and go straight to a degree so I picked a broad humanities degree with the open university and just picked modules that I was interested in lovely um so I did various modules like world archaeology Greek and myth Greek and Roman and another module sorry Vicky I was just gonna say that's that comes up in your poetry doesn't it but we'll get to that carry on yeah um one of the other modules was Greek and Roman myth and a couple of literature models and because I was just studying for 
me it, it wasn't work related it was for enjoyment <laughs> even though many many weekends I cried when uh, assignments were due <laughs> I can't do this um I finished then with a creative writing module and that's where the journey then started into to writing I'd never thought I would become a writer it just was something that I I had never imagined could happen um but I really enjoyed the process of it and a lot of my initial writing for the assignments in that module brought up it, it went full circle back to the postnatal depression and I found a way to write that out and release some of the thoughts that I still had around that time in my life. I was going to ask you about that I was I, I kind yeah. of had jumped to thinking that the the nurse might have suggested that and that's what led to it but actually you found it yourself just by following following the things that made you happy is that right yes yeah that's a lovely way to put it actually yeah that's beautiful that's really nice um and so you came to writing and then (laughs) um, and obviously what you're saying was that was quite self-reflective at first perhaps and and maybe even healing and then how did that develop? Because obviously that moved towards something a bit more professional. Yeah, so I think a lot of writers, when they do start, they start with memoir and they start with reflecting about themselves. And it's a really cathartic process to get those words out on the page, you know, to release them from your body, yeah. to um, give them their own space outside of yourself and um you know even if you don't share that with anybody uh there is that process of release to get those out but um if if we talk about the the open university module specifically it took me on paths because assignments were focused um with regards to genre and same so you know I would find myself being given a prompt that took me away from myself to look at other areas to maybe you know recount a myth in a modern day setting or something like that so I I was following instructions that took me away from it but also then I think when you start to write you're inspired by things outside of yourself so you know um, sometimes I'm very drawn to newspaper articles or images you know and I think oh I'd love to capture that image and words on the page. Yeah. And that's really interesting because that really is what Venus in Pink Marble sort of comes to at the end, isn't it? Um, let's talk about Venus in Pink Marble as we've kind of got to that. Um, do you want to explain how that's sort of put together and, and how that, that works? Yeah. So it's, it's quite a big collection um, and it's in three sections. The first section is... Um, it focuses on place and heritage um, and culture. So there's some poems in that they're inspired by historical events. For example, there's the a poem about a suffragette who burns down Annadale House in the 1920s during the suffragette movement. The middle section then is entitled Letter to Me, and that is quite a personal section about me and my uh, relationships with my family. And then the final section uh, focuses on um, 
works of art and articles that have inspired me. We're going to come back to your journey, but as we brought up Venus in Pink Marble, I thought we would just talk a little bit about it. I think it's really interesting because it is where you've come from, where you are, you're at, and then looking at the world um, and responding to the world. And I kind of felt like the word connection sort of binds them all to, like, together, like your connection with your past and your heritage, your connection with your family and the people in your lives, in your life, you don't have more than one life, and your connection with the world around you. So how do you go about deciding what goes into there and putting that did you know that when you were writing it or did it just come out and it 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 came that way so this collection is the well not the complete body of work but it's it's many of the poems that I've written in the last um five years and initially um well I was really lucky to get a a a grant from the arts council to support putting the collection together and that allowed me to bring on board the services of a mentor. So I had a number of sessions with Maria McManus, Mm -hmm. um, a very well-known Belfast poet. And initially when I was speaking to her, you know, we were trying to think of a theme. I think she used the term, you know, a collection's like an umbrella. So you have poems that hang off, you know, the central uh, theme because I thought I had a body of work that talked about motherhood, I decided I'd maybe go down the mother and baby thing. And I did have the collection organized into that and was working through the edits. And then I, I, I don't really know what happened, but I realized that's not what I wanted to do. You know, it wasn't, I'd gone down a road and really didn't want to get to the end of that road. So I I got all the poems back out again because, you know, there'd been a selection process to pull all the, the mother and baby themed poems out. So I put everything back together again and looked at it again. And that's when I came up with the idea of a longer journey and a wider, a wider um, reflection of me and where I'm from and what inspires me and then you know when I the poems pulled out it was clear that they they fell into three three sections so yeah the process was quite time consuming it involved a lot of um post-it notes with poem (laughs) titles on it and what maybe themes they had involved and you know a few words about what they were about and I have a big white Ikea unit um so for many months my living room had all these yellow post-it notes <laughs> up in the the Ikea unit and every so often I'd I'd replace a, a post-it note or I'd have to move the columns down and uh that's um <laughs> your husband's like what is this new look we're going for here in the <laughs> <room>. <laughs> what was even worse is the unit is visible through a window so anyone walking past the street was able to see all these post-it notes up oh she's got the post-its out again (laughs) (laughs) you know every writer well I don't know about you but I do love a post-it note I've I've started my post-it note for my working process right now the thing is I I end up having to put sellotape on them to keep them on (laughs) yeah I use blue tack (laughs) 
<laughs> not actually as useful as you think they don't actually stick so um so there is quite a lot of motherhood in there yeah um but obviously it, it goes broader doesn't it there's, it there's so much more to you I guess and that's maybe where you got to and 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 maybe that's it like we as women we're more than just one thing it's more complicated it can't just be defined as I'm a mother and, and maybe that's where your journey even started. So there's 62, I counted them, poems <laughs> in, in um, Venus in Pink Marble. How many did you have to write in order to get it down to 62 or, or was it always quite straightforward or did you do loads more? I don't think I wrote new poems specifically for the collection. Um, they came out of a body of work that I already have produced. Um, so so you're, I, you, you're, you're picking out your best poems, I suppose. You don't want to publish lots of filler poems. And I suppose there are some filler poems in there because um, there, there's gap, you know, not, I think I wanted Venus in Pink Marble to be, to have like an overall narrative arc. And so I needed to make sure that the steps were filled along the way. Um, and I think you have to be aware then when you're putting a collection together that you want to appeal to more than one reader. So at, at one point it becomes less about your own personal journey and you start to think about the journey that the reader will take and you want to satisfy a multitude of readers you know you're hoping that the book will be read by more than one person and you want them to find something in there that resonates with them so you do start to think commercial maybe that's not the right word commercially isn't the right word but you want to make sure that each reader will find something that appeals to them so you want a broad spectrum and um I didn't want to them all to look the same either I wanted there to be some difference I mean I think I have quite a strong voice you know I've found my own voice in writing now people talk about that I'm not quite sure what it means but I think it's your own your own style and your own way of of writing things down but but in a collection you do want there to be little bits of interest you know things that look different or things that sound different I suppose to keep interest it's like watching a, a series on television you don't want to be just watching repeats of the same story each time you want to see something a wee bit different. That's right yeah you do and and you definitely have that I think there's, there's a couple that really starkly change kind of form. Repetage jumped out at me a bit that as one of those. So you touched on voice which I'm glad you touched on because we're going to talk about that and maybe this will bring us back to that journey because so I felt that Venus in Pink Marble was very intimate and reflective it was thoughtful um, and gentle that was the thing that came out to me really strongly was it was gentle and I don't mean in terms of what you're talking about because you're talking about shipyards and suffragettes and and you even you touch on you talk a lot about Belfast and some of the things there and you talk about motherhood and, and all sorts of things. But I just mean in the way there's just a gentleness in your writing that came across to me. I mean, in, in my day to day 
me, me as a person every day, you know, I wouldn't describe myself as a gentle person. I'm, um, you know, I don't have a lot of um, subtlety sometimes, you know, I'm quite straight to the point. And actually I've joked about this in the past, but it, it, it's not actually a joke. You know, I write poems because I don't have the staying power to write an 80,000 word novel. I just, I mean, that to me is, um, I just couldn't imagine going back every day to continue a long piece of work. So poems satisfy my um, laziness, I suppose, to capture just a little moment or a, an image or a thought and put it into 20 lines of, of poetry, so. But I suppose when I then went to look at Memory Forest, it's very different. And it's very, there's, there's still tenderness and it's very heartfelt, but there is a lot of humor and quite stark humor. And it, it made me laugh out loud quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I loved pre-planned. That just made me laugh so much. Um, and I think, but maybe that's, maybe that's the very nature of the subject you were talking about. So just tell everyone that doesn't know what Memory Forest is about. Memory Forest is a collection of poems about burial rituals and last wishes. And there is humour in there because it, it was born out of a very funny um, situation in that I was driving my dad down to the club one Saturday uh, afternoon and it was a couple of months before his 80th birthday and I asked him about what he, he wanted for his, his birthday and he said Ock, I wouldn't mind having him awake and I was like I said oh, daddy catch yourself on you've few more years than you yet and he went no no I'm not being morbid I I would I quite like the idea of being in the room and hearing what people are saying about me and uh, seeing if your your mummy's crying and uh, <laughs> and so there is a poem in memory forest with the title I want to be awake from my wake and it, it it's really just me capture daddy's words to, to the answer about what he wanted for his 80th birthday um, but it, it took me on a journey into looking at what other cultures do to celebrate their dead. And um, I mean, you mentioned pre-planned, that, that's a poem around my mum's wishes. You know, she has her funeral bought and it all, well, it all laid out to, to remove me from having to make the decisions about that because I'm an only child. So she has already done the work for me. Um, and, you know, people could think that talking about death and preparing for death and celebrating the lives of your loved ones, you know, they could th think that that's morbid, but um, hopefully in the collection, there's a range of, of different beliefs and treatments and there is some humor because at those really sad times in our lives, it's humour that get us through. You know, if you walk into any house that's having a wake, you will hear people laughing and they're laughing at the silly things that the person's done and they're talking about, do you remember when she did this? And um, 
you know, just recounting all their memories about how special that person was through their lives. So that's so true. Um, yeah. And I, I looked at other cultures around the world. Um, in the Philippines, they have a culture where they, at least every seven years, they exhume the body of their loved one and they have a party with. I loved. With, I love that. What was it? Fam, Famahada. Famahada. Yeah. Sorry. I so I, I've set that. I've set that in a local setting in Dundonald's graveyard. I love um, that. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I did a lot of research for that book. You know, that was that was one of those books where you have to, to read about a lot of things and then find ways to apply it to your own writing. And so, so this one is different in the sense that you had a theme and then you did write poems specifically for the book whereas the other one you were you were picking out from from what had come up so I guess it it makes it less self-reflective in that sense that we were talking about and more um kind of purposeful I suppose but yeah Yeah. talk to me I can't pronounce that word Famid Dahada is that right yeah yeah well maybe I always stumble over it too um Um, but it means turning the bones and I looked this up straight afterwards because I was like this is this is crazy I love it um but what what I think is really nice in that one and I I wonder if you could talk to us about that is is that setting it here and you kind of you 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 take us through it being told in the will um and then and it's quite funny because you're sort of stepping into imagining it that that you would have to do this in this same way so tell us a bit about um as a writer what you had to do and how your process of kind of dealing with this quite strange cultural thing that's quite foreign to us yeah so I I suppose it begins with you know trying to um there, there was the research there was reading up on it and then there was the thinking I think you know when you're writing about other cultures you have to be mindful that you're treating it respectfully and I suppose the whole subject matter of memory forest because I'm talking about um, people's last wishes and burial rituals I was conscious the whole way through that I had to do it respectfully you know that um, but particularly when I was talking about other cultures so after finding out what what was involved in in that um, ritual, I then started to try and think, well, how can I remove that? Because I, I didn't want to set it in the Philippines, you know, because I don't have a knowledge of that. That's not me. But I know what Dundonald Cemetery looks like. My grandmother's buried there. And you drive past it on the bus if you're going to the Ulster Hospital. So it was just about thinking about the setting, what it might look like at night, what what the people in that poem. So you you enter the world of fiction, you know, you're imagining what the characters in the poem or the piece of writing would be thinking. And so it's just about playing with creating that world for them. So I suppose, and you know, they talk about world building in science fiction, but 
you know, you do it in, in ordinary fiction and you do it in poetry that isn't autobiographical. So, um, yeah, creating a character or a range of characters in that case and trying to get down what their thoughts and feelings might be about this peculiar thing they've been asked to do, you know, and how they might react to that. And what's but, beautiful um, is that because, because of the love for the person that asked, they do it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was what really came through on, on that poem as well, as well as, you know, it's kind of funny, but actually what's underneath that is that, that love for the person who's, who's gone. Um, and there's that tenderness again that goes through that writing. Um, that's great that you were talking about character there, because that's obviously something that I wouldn't necessarily think of in poetry. So what kind of character work does a poet do? Like, how do you go about thinking about characters? I suppose the very basic thing is to put yourself in that imagined person's shoes and what they, the journey that they'll take and the thoughts and feelings that they might have. So whereby you're not talking about yourself, you're imagining this other person and you want to capture something maybe that's unique about them because it's a poem and you're not writing 80,000 words you have one page to show how this character is different and what drives them and what motivates them so and I suppose for every poem it'll be different in the case of the suffragette poem and that's in Venus and Pink marble you know I just tried to put myself in her shoes imagine her walking along the lagoon meeting this other co-conspirator and the interaction that they would have when they're setting fire to this stately home so um temporarily you become the other person because you want to you're living vicariously through them yes and that's I think that's a really nice um obviously being a storyteller works for me um, I do that a lot and, and I guess maybe that's why I was struck by some of the poems in Venus and Mar- um, Pink Marble and Memory Forest that does that and actually Circling the Sun there's a lot of that so just tell everyone about Circling the Sun so that we know what what we're talking about. Circling the Sun is a micro collection of six poems and they're all um, about the early women pilots the aviatrixes who were incredibly brave women who went up in tiny rickety wooden planes with long dresses on because it wasn't suitable that they would wear anything but a long skirt. Um, And the idea for that little collection came about actually through a Women Allowed NI project. I was organising an event which up until 2020 had been an annual event for three three years running, whereby uh, Women Allowed NI collaborated with a side choir to put on an evening of words and music. And each writer was given a specific piece of music to be inspired by to write a new piece of work. I think you took part one year, Vicky, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> And so it's a really great experience where you use a piece of music to um, take you on a journey into writing something new. And that year I'd been given a piece of music called Lightning. And it's a really 
quirky tune. It's on YouTube for anyone who wants to um, search for it and listen to it. And when I was researching lightning, I found an incredible story about a woman who was attempting the first transatlantic flight and she was struck by lightning and crashed her plane. So again, it, it was a poem where I was writing in the voice of someone else and I had to put myself in her shoes and imagine how she felt about her plane. And um, I took her on that journey up until her crash landing. And shortly after that, I, I'm a member of a writing group, Hollywood Writers, and there's a, a branch of Stuart Miller's in Hollywood High Street that I often go into after the writing group. For bit shopping. Uh, for book shopping, yes, <laughs> as you do. And um, there, I came across shortly after that. I came across a book in the bargain books pile, reduced to ninety nine p, and it was the history of the Aviatrixes. And um, I looked at it and I went, well, you know, there might be a at least a poem in you. So I bought the book, and that's where the other poems came from. Then that that are encircling the sun and um, they're all inspired by this the stories that I find in in that book so I, I took a biographical book and applied it to, to poetry you know yeah. um, it's a lovely little collection because and it it really asks lots of questions and I think questions that are relevant to women so you're looking at their clothing and these things and but also you know the bravery it starts with the um the metaphor of gambling doesn't it and you know it is a constant gamble every time they got in those those crazy little planes yeah so that was circling the sun and we will we will maybe touch on that again next time um thank you so much for chatting with me we've had i know we've got quite deep into all the different things and being a poet and we'll we'll do a bit more of that in the next uh half of the chat great that was Tierna Yarn with Vicky McFarland. You've been listening to a Women Allowed NI podcast, supported by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland.